Welcome back to another Meathead Hippie podcast. I am so excited about my guest because she is a dear friend that I've worked with quite a few times. And she actually, after listening to my Shit M's Into podcast from a couple weeks ago, reached out via email and her name is Heather Kelly. She is the founder of Heather's Choice. She is just such a badass. I mean, imagine like the person climbing rocks and rafting on class fives. That's her. And she moved to Alaska and realized in her gluten-free world that there were no gluten-free products that were ready to eat packaged, just add water, camping, easy, quick food. And so for me, this is my go-to. I used it when I was in Alaska. I know my whole tribe in the Facebook group. We love them. I think you guys have to absolutely check it out. But her email was so cool because it was about the process of both of us in our own way, raising money, starting a product, creating a product, launching a product, and we've both done it completely different ways. And I think there's just some pros and cons to both. And I thought for the first time, why don't I share that story a little bit? And I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this. I also cannot wait because this is so perfect for September. We are going to do every week in my podcast, all about the process. So I'm going to interview different people about the process of fill in the blank, solving problems, creating businesses, launching products, launching a podcast, just really helping you guys get an inside look at the story of what it takes and the crazy that we all feel when we are in the middle of the shit. So I also will say it's perfect timing because I am, if you have not heard, about to launch a book and it is called The Process. So all of it coming together, that will launch pre-orders next week. If you're a part of my Facebook group, I read a couple of the things, but I will make sure that you guys are the first to know on this podcast and in the Facebook group and get on my newsletter because I just cannot wait. It's a very different type of book and I am very excited. Bradford just told me it's the Dr. Seuss um, for adults, which to me makes me very happy. So this is my soul on paper, and I feel like I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I've written three different book proposals, and they all were wrong <laughs> because I was pushing it and doing the should, should, should that I think so many times we talk about in this podcast. And um, when you just stay true to who you are and you put it out there, I really believe that that's when magic happens. So I hope this podcast inspires you to do exactly that. Don't compromise and just keep moving forward. This is Heather Kelly. Enjoy. Heather Kelly, one of my dear friends. I remember filming a video for my first legitimate MFIT challenge with you, doing partner burpees. You are the founder and the CEO of Heather's Choice, which most of my people know about, but you're an adventurer and a creator. And I am just so happy you emailed me the other day. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a longtime meathead hippie listener. And your most recent episode, I was like, ah, this is so great. I listened to this three times. We have to chat. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, so the one of the most recent shit M is into um, talking kind of in this, I don't really open up about this. And I was in the middle of talking and it just kept flowing out. I'm like, I've never really talked about this, about funding my businesses and the pressure of keeping things going and kind of the ebb and flow of being an entrepreneur. And 
you also in the same boat, you know, in Alaska with even your own facility that I got to see when I was in Alaska last year. I mean, it's just incredible what you are doing. And I have so much respect for anybody doing, I mean, period, but especially females in the outdoor space. It's just a beast. And (laughs) I I just think it's just going to be a really good way to kind of, for both of us to learn from each other, to hear about how we started and how we launched and how we ourselves funded some products. And in hopes that if someone is interested in that world of not just a business owner, but creating something and producing something and shipping something to somebody, what that could look like, because it can look so many different ways. Yeah, because I think that you and I both know from our business experiences that it's very different to launch something and do kind of a service-based business like, hey, I'm going to do coaching or I'm going to do seminars or I don't actually have to buy anything in order to make this happen versus selling a million dollars worth of product. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You have to shovel out a ton of cash before you can actually sell that physical product. And so, yeah, I'm hoping we can kind of share the different ways that you and I have probably gone about that journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I mean, there's no right way to go about it, but there's a lot of different ways that you can launch a product-based business. And uh, yes. And I was saying with you, your email timing was perfect because you know, you were just saying how you were listening to it. And to me, sometimes I'm, I'm still like, am I doing this the right way? Am I being dumb? And then, (laughs) you know, for you, vice versa, it's like saying, am I doing this the right way? Am I, and I think all of us have that, this element of, since we haven't done it for the first time, there is some sort of, uh, like the D-O word, D-O-U-B-T, like, yes, (laughs) doubt it. Um, so I think what I would love to hear first, so people can really understand, because I met you, just like you said, doing workshops and seminars and teaching nutrition. You're a former badass rower. You started doing um, raft guiding really into the outdoor world yourself. What helped you? What was that pivot of saying, okay, I have this service. I have this business. It's doing well and I enjoy what I'm doing, but I want to launch a product. What was that shift in story like for you? (laughs) This is actually a fun story. So I, like you said, had my own successful nutrition consulting business in Colorado. And I'd been living in Colorado for probably two or three years. And I started to get really homesick for Alaska. And I was actually living just outside of Boulder, kind of living the the CrossFit dream. I was working as a nutritionist at a CrossFit gym and getting to work out for free all the time and eating at Whole Foods. And I realized I was driving my air-conditioned car from my air-conditioned apartment to my air-conditioned gym. And I was like, get me out of here. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I got to go home. And funny thing was that my my current business that had been successful started to kind of started to crumble a little bit. Like, new clients weren't calling. Gyms weren't booking seminars. Like, money kind of dried up. And it was so divinely guided because the relationship that I was in was actually like also deteriorating. And so it was like, well, guess I ran out of money. Like I got a, this is my door (laughs) to like run through and go home. So I came back home to Alaska and had no money, literally like not a dollar to my name. And I had 
percolated this idea for starting Heather's Choice years prior. And the idea behind Heather's Choice was to have a healthy, lightweight, packable, dehydrated food product that you could take on any adventure you wanted to. So I left my gym life, came back, just started dehydrating food actually in my dad's pantry because I was living at home. Like, this is how broke I am. And a good friend of mine said, hey, like, I know you've wanted to do this Heather's Choice thing for a long time. Like, what is it going to take for you to actually turn this into a business? Because I can see that you're passionate about it. It's clear you want to bring this idea to life. The product is good. Like, let's take the next step. Mm -hmm. And so my buddy, Jason... I told him like, Hey, I need a bigger dehydrator. I'm using little dinky tabletop five tray Nesco's. So he drove me down to Cabela's and bought me the biggest commercial dehydrator they had. (laughs) And he's like, Hey, by the way, one of my rentals is open. Like you can stay here for free and dehydrate food. And here's how you get a business license. And here's how you get an EIN number. So like, that was the start of Heather's choice and how I knew to like somebody recommended to not use WordPress. They're like, Hey, if you're going to be a product-based business, you've got to launch on Shopify. That was probably like the best piece of wisdom I'd ever gotten. Uh, let's <laughs> send angels to that person. Thank goodness for that person. <laughs> Seriously. So, oh, I love that. Yeah. I got a Shopify site and started selling stuff and it's just been a ride ever Mm. since then. (laughs) I love it. And yeah, I mean, there's so much that goes, you know, it feels like, doesn't it feel like lifetimes in between every year? It's the product changes. I, you know, I'm speaking at Denver startup week this year. And the first thing that I was like, the funny thing is with us, we're creators, right? We see something and then we're instantly like, okay, that's cool. I love it. It's great. And then a week later we look at it and we're like, uh, let's, uh, is this perfect? Could we change it? Could we make it better? Like we're always innovating and changing and your packaging. I just want to say this though, because I, the first time I saw your new packaging was when I was in Alaska, it is gorgeous. And I am extremely picky about marketing and branding. And it's, it's got these maps intertwined, like the depth that you put into it. Like, I love your product. I think it's so beautiful. So Thank you, 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 thank you. <laughs> we, I know looking at it, how much time it takes to get there. And I think so many times people don't realize like, you know, it's, I've started doing side-by-sides. Like when I find my first product of something, just like showing the process of this was the first one that was a Christmas gift. And now this yeah. is the one that's like, <laughs> that's at Whole Foods. And so I think it's really cool what you're doing. And I think what I would love is maybe first talk about, when you got to that point, just so we have some backstory and then I'll share my story with the impact and product so people can understand the different ways that you can raise money. What was the first moment where you were like, oh my God, this is going to take a lot of capital? <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, I still have that moment all the time. Same. So, Same. Yeah. It's maddening. Oh it's my God. Maddening. And especially when you're doing it the way that we are trying to do it where we're not, you know, you don't want to compromise. And so many times you see companies start to compromise because they need to make their margins bigger. They, it's just so it's all tied in. So yes, I would love just any thought that comes, it might not be the full story or a moment. It maybe is just more like current scenario or even most recent this year of some of the ways that you have gotten to be able 
for somebody that's brand new to the food industry or a product industry, some sort of like scope of this is really kind of what it takes. Sure. I had someone explain this to me pretty early on and it was so helpful. And really they were talking to me about the timeline for raising money. So you start with whatever dollars you have, right? Like empty your piggy bank and buy your first set of ingredients or your first packaging on Amazon. So you spend all the money that you have and then you can go get, you know, friends and family and fools is what they call them. Just anybody who's willing to chip in a few bucks, which I had my friend Jason throw in money. Uh, My mom, of course, threw in money. My dad would throw money at me like whenever he could. So I had all my friends and family that were interested would put money towards the project. And then I took the step to the Kickstarter campaign, which we can spend eternity talking about that whole process because that was hellacious. Mm -hmm. And after that, you can kind of move to to angel investment and then eventually VC funding and eventually your business becomes bankable. That was kind of one trajectory that someone had outlined for me, but obviously there's a million different ways you could fund a business, but I've been kind of working on that trajectory of like friends and family, uh, angel investment, trying to leverage any bit of debt we can get our hands on. And then, you know, someday maybe there'll be VC funding, but also there's the opportunity that we just become so profitable that we don't have to take on any additional funding, which if you're trying to grow a business at any sort of decent clip, you know, you want to do this in five years or 10 years instead of 30 years, you're likely going to have to leverage uh, some sort of outside capital. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I I mean, especially when, and you can, you have it in-house, right? So sometimes like with the teas, the minimums of what you have to order in order for it to get at a price point that is, you know, at any point reasonable where you're not losing money off of every bag, um, you have to order in huge quantities, right? right? And you ended up saying, instead of going outsourcing and getting a distributor, you actually created your own distribution center. Uh, was that a hard decision or was that like, and that's how it always has been. You just grew it as you went and has that helped you save on money? I mean, in the long run, being able to do it all in house. Yeah. I originally started making everything myself as we all do. And then realized, okay, I don't, I can't make enough product. I can't keep up with this with my own two hands. And so I did go to co-packing and honestly, Emily, I had terrible experiences with it. I did three different uh, co-packing relationships. And every time I found that I wasn't able to control the quality from so far away. And so ultimately decided, okay, I have to bring all this stuff back in house because this is maddening. I have 18 different products. They all have different processes. They all have different ingredients. And I just cannot keep my hands in it and keep the quality where I need it to be from 3000 miles away. Mm -hmm. And so we ultimately decided to move all of our production back in house here in Alaska, which is a financial hurdle that it's so damn expensive to set up your own production facility. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like now that we've done it and we do control the process and we do control the quality and we get to show people how we make the product. I think it's one of our best marketing tools and one of our biggest brand assets. Mm -hmm. However, 
it is so expensive. Like our uh, production facility, I bet we have close to a half million bucks sunk into it. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen the machines and the, um, like the spinners that you have and obviously the dehydrators. I mean, it's an operation. It's not a small thing. Like this is, no. it's so, it was really cool to walk in and be like, oh my God. Cause I didn't experience tangible evidence of any of my businesses until I launched platform strength. That was oh, the first yeah. time. It was the first time I could, I mean, outside of my shipping center, uh, all the things that were being made, you know, they would even be starting impacts in Colorado, but I wasn't able to add any zipper or buckle or patch without it being so expensive. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I would have had to charge $300 a bag to make any money based on having just a normal impact. So the first original impact, as much as I love it because of the, what it means in the Kickstarter and the OG, it was so bare bones because every zipper was like an extra $5 on a backpack that I actually ended up losing money on for the Kickstarter. Cause we thought it would be a third of the price it ended up being even at bare bones. So totally, oh, you're just so shocked about like, Oh my God, this, like this really does add up <laughs> pretty quickly. And I think it just gives you this perspective of it changes the way you shop. It really does. It makes you really look out for the brands. That, I mean, that's why it's so amazing to have so many entrepreneurs and especially female entrepreneurs that you can now support. And it gives you a perspective from my end, never knowing really like what went into products to be able to see it from the lens of like, oh my God, I will always choose this over that because I know what it takes to get that here. You know, and I think that's something we all could be better at. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Like that's what drives me crazy is when people complain about the cost of our products because we are a premium product and our food is relatively expensive. I'm like, you know, I actually don't really have any sympathy for you. Like you'll spend $500 on I don't know, like a new set of hiking boots, but you won't spend 15 bucks on a meal. Like, give me a break. <laughs> I just yeah. I don't have sympathy for it anymore because I know that the grass fed bison that we put into that meal costs us 14 bucks a pound and it's painstaking for us to get it. Or the sockeye that goes into our chowder comes from Deep Creek, Alaska, that is caught and bled and filleted and smoked and <laughs> yeah. dehydrated and then put into a product. Like I think people don't really realize all of the step it takes steps it takes to get something onto a shelf or into their hand. Totally. And I mean, you the, the and that's why for my businesses, and this is kind of jumping around. So there might be like a follow up Q&A that maybe we could do in case people are like, wait, what about this? So I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners, if you're, you know, write your questions down, because we'll make sure we answer them. But what I have found is, you know, we have a couple when you're launching a product business, and this might be a good angle for anybody that's curious about this. For example, you mentioned Shopify, and then we have things like Amazon, right? You have these other angles that are all still e-commerce. So online commerce where you can say, just click and buy and it gets shipped to you. And then you take it one step further and you actually get into stores. You take shelves, you take um, store space, you have setups, you have whatever it is to act to take space on a grocery store shelf. And that is where 
for me, I am not able to even think about that. I thought about it a lot. Like when I first launched, launched the tea company, I'm like, yes, we're going to be in every Whole Foods by 2021, you know, like very (laughs) ambitious. And then you learn and you're like, oh my God, I totally take that back. I'm not doing that for a while. (laughs) There's no way. So, and, but you are in some stores you are, and that's, what's so amazing is that you've been able to do that. And it makes sense for you because you just need eyes on you. It's, it's a new product that's gluten-free and real food. And the people that care, and hopefully that those people that care and are, are looking for those ingredients are that number is growing. Um, it's kind of this amazing surprise on the shelf of like, wow, I didn't even know there was this option or I was looking and I couldn't find it just like you. And then they find it. So that whole process to get onto the shelf and take space. I, I mean, that's an animal. It's such a bear. And what is it that would keep you or what is keeping you from going down that road? What's the biggest part that's deterring you just out of curiosity? That's a great question. I'm not going to lie. This sounds so cheesy, but when I, when I launched the number one reason, number two is definitely capital and kind of the team that we don't have dedicated to just tea quite yet. Um, Number one is so simple because when I went and I decided okay, I am going to launch a tea company. And I went and I, I mean, I'm studying tea, I'm trying tea, I'm ordering tea. I'm just kind of consumed by tea and what exists and what doesn't exist. Does, does my tea have a place in this world? And the answer was always yes, but I felt like it had to have an X factor. And the X factor, every time you order tea from Element, you get a spirit animal card that I made and I do not know how to put those two together in a store. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that sounds so silly, but it's like, for me, that's the whole point of these teas. It's not just to like help your stomach and anxiety. It's like, I want people to truly start to connect with themselves. And the spirit animal card was like the way to do it and like ask questions and get curious. And I, you know, we've played around with tons of different packaging options, like Cracker Jack box, but then it takes plastic, <laughs> you know, like it takes plastic. And then I don't want the, pla- I don't want more plastic in anybody's life. And so, you know, all these regulations of like, okay, can we put a pocket in the back of the tea? And we still haven't figured it out. So I'm like, until I figure that piece out. And if anyone knows about like, you know, two ounce pouches that hold a spirit animal, card, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> But I just don't, and I know I could let go of the animal card. I know I could do it. But to me, it's like the identity of the tea is so much more than just the tea that I just can't quite figure that piece out. So that's the number one where I was like, I have to figure this out. And it wasn't coming easy. And I have learned that. And I don't, I wonder your opinion on this. When something, there's like two types of resistance where it's like, oh my God, am I hitting this wall again? Is this happening again? Is this how I feel again? And you just keep pushing because that's how we do it. We just keep going and we keep going. And then we're like, oh, I'm so glad I did did this. You know, like we see results from pushing through that. But then on the flip side, I found like that that measure of saying this is, I could push through it and I could keep hitting my head against the same wall and I can maybe find resolve or I'm learning to say that might be like the sign that I need, like the, this is not the right answer. And that line of picking, is it, if I push through it, it's great. Or do I let it go because it's not quite right has been really hard to find out. Like it's the learning experience of an entrepreneur is understanding when do you push it? And when do you 
say this is too hard. This shouldn't be this hard. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. I feel like one of the best ways that was explained to me was the idea of floating down a river. And when you are flowing with it, when you're like in alignment with your uh, boundaries and saying, I don't want to do this unless I can do it all the way, or I can do it right. Like that's just kind of flowing with it and saying, okay, now's not the time. But then when you're forcing it and you're like, I am going to create the Cracker Jack box, even if it kills me, like (laughs) that's kind of going against the current and going, trying to go back upstream. Mm -hmm. And so I think we can feel that really energetically of when is it time? When is it time to kind of back off and say, yes, but not now? Mm -hmm. Because I've definitely had that experience of, yeah, like a lot of my experience of building Heather's Choice has been a ton of resistance. It's been super hard. It's been super painful. There's been so much doubt. And then you kind of get those little, those little carrots like, hey, REI just called or, oh my gosh, we just got a really great customer review or whatever it is. It's almost like you kind of follow this little uh, crumb path (laughs) telling you you're going in the right direction and it's still working. I had this amazing crumb. Oh, this one made me cry last week because we, so MPAC, it's a little different for MPAC, but the reason that we've, at least until our newest product, which is coming out in like November, it is a little bit too hard of a story to tell because you need, you know, in two seconds, you have to tell somebody, this is a backpack that converts into a weight training bag using water as weight. And that that can't be done on a tag. It just is really hard to do. And after doing expo after expo and after a retailer and, you know, saying the pitch, I can get it dialed down to about 15, 20 seconds, but it takes some video visual demonstration for people to really understand that it's not just a weighted backpack. So that was my kind of issue with retail for MPAC of knowing I honestly don't think it's going to do well, at least in its current form until it looks like without a doubt, this is a backpack. And then the X factor is this is a weight training bag. So little bit, you know, that kind of story. But what's interesting is because I also, in the timing of you emailing me and how that too was a crumb for me of like, oh, thank you for that. Like just that little pep of like, you know, I see you and you see me, but someone emailed me uh, or they sent me on Instagram. It was a hummingbird, which is my spirit animal, following an MPAC all the way up the trail. And I, 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 I was like, I don't even know if she knew it was a hummingbird. If you're listening, you just made my day. Cause I was like at my wit's end of like, how do we do this? And we have pre-orders and there, you know, we're, there's just so much with impact happening at all at once. Um, you know, needing to do, wanting to do some subscription stuff where they can get workouts all the time and building that out. And just like, it just feels like you're never getting get to the top. I mean, you just feel like you just started from the beginning, even though we're so far from where we were, it doesn't feel that way. And so those crumbs, they, they literally are what you have to relish in. It's like, it brings you back to why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah. And I think you can ask for them when you need them too, as an entrepreneur, you can be like, all right, universe. (laughs) Yes. Like this is enough. Like you have, you have tested my will. Like I need something. I need just like a little taste of success and you'll get it if you're paying attention. Cause I have that experience all the time where like 
it, I need to come up with more money and I need it now, or like sales aren't as strong as I want them to be, or we have a quality control issue, like whatever happens, I just, I have those moments of, oh my gosh, there's no way, like I can't go any further. And then I'll do a tasting event or I'll have a customer reach out and they will look me deadpan in the eyes and say like, you're, you're going to make it. Or something to that effect. And every time I think it's just like spirit communicating with me directly of like, keep going. You're going to make it. And I'm like, oh, you bastards. I just wanted to quit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And, but then you're also like, there's no, like, if you have that, that is literally the fuel. That is all you need to get it to where you, that next step and that next step. And it, I mean, for me, it's the work of not seeing the further, like the further you look as far as future, the, the more miserable you are as an entrepreneur and and as a creator, because you have to, you know, kind of think ahead and you have to be ahead of the game and you have to be innovative, but you also can so quickly that turns into tunnel vision and it turns into all I see is the bad things. All I see is how far away I am. And this goes for anything entrepreneur, entrepreneur or not. And then that's the law of attraction that I see cycled in. I, you know, I catch myself in that. I'm like, God, there's a lot of like bad things happening. And then I'm like, maybe I'm the one doing it. Like I'm pulling that in by my expectation of I'm so far away and blah, blah, blah. Like the Eeyore I talked about and shit ends into, it's like, you have to switch it even in in the moments um, you totally can ask for them. That's, and yes, you totally are going to make it, Heather. Just FYI, I'm obsessed with your stuff. <laughs> so you're going to, you seriously. <laughs> uh, like, every, and that's kind of the, like the personal work for me too, is like, whenever I hear that, it like, I, you, if you could see my body language, like I just kind of clam up like, oh, okay. Like just keep holding on. Like, I know, I know that it's going to work. And I do know that on like the deepest level of my being that it's going to work, but like that doesn't make it any less scary or that doesn't make it any less hard. Mm. And that's what it seems like from everything I can tell. It doesn't matter how old your business is, how successful, how big, how small. It's just a test of, of grit of, are you willing to just stay after it and hold the vision and like, keep taking steps towards it every single day, no matter how small. Yes. Let's move to somebody like saying someone asking us questions. I'm just going to make some questions up for people pretending they're here of what were some, (laughs) what were pros and cons, or maybe like some of the things that looking back that you would have said, I don't want to do that, or I shouldn't have done that kind of the email you sent of what would be some perspective for somebody trying to figure out which route do I go when it comes to, here's an idea. How do I make this an actual product? Totally. Which that's the question I would want to ask you of like, what was your journey of funding, say the first product? Because mm, yeah. my, I would not recommend the route I took. <laughs> Just to be really clear. <laughs> it's okay but that I mean the lessons you learned I mean when people say like how how do you know about business you create one you create one and you figure it out that's how you learn about business there is nothing else that will teach you it like I mean everything you did to this point is going to become a skill set in four years five years it already is a skill set so that's going to be fun for you to figure out down the road but I guess for me 
I knew that I wanted, so the first outside of t-shirts really, which you, I think had two before Heather's choice. So we had, um, I still have yours, by the way, the t-shirt that you have, that you gave me, (laughs) um, the, the first idea of the product saying, okay, I know that one, I have clients at home doing these 21 day programs that only have dumbbells and they don't know what dumbbells to get, or they, as soon as they get stronger, they need heavier dumbbells. So I kept seeing that issue over and over. And I was like, kind of like irritated at myself for every time I'd be like, okay, well go buy dumbbells. And then I would see how much dumbbells would cost. Like, this is a joke. Like they need a, they need a whole set. They're going to have like 10s, 15s, 25s, 30s. Like these people are, I mean, this is a whole gym that they're getting. So that was something I didn't really know how to communicate to people. And I didn't want them to just have those five pound weights. Cause I knew that, you know, just like everything with strength training, it has to be heavy enough to be safe, but still promote a response. And then when I was traveling and I saw this, you know, I was sitting at a hotel with a terrible hotel workout gym. And so I was like, one, why am I inside? I want to be barefoot went to my balcony, stuffed everything I could in my suitcase and started squatting with it. And it was like, I got some fresh air and I just felt creative. And I was like, Oh, I feel like so much better. It was so much better than sitting in a hotel workout, like, you know, gross AC and gross people. So, uh, Mm -hmm. I knew, I knew when I flew home, I drew it on a paper of like backpack turn weight training bag, I could use water as weight. And that's all I knew. I didn't know there would be two components, the reservoir, uh, being the hardest piece in the backpack, as hard as it was to like find something that was really durable that you could drag and drop and break and rip, like making it to where it was completely bulletproof basically. And that actually was way easier than the actual reservoir component where water, you could drop it and it wouldn't spill. And so, um, I first started by, this was like in 2000, it had to be 2014. So, started by just finding people that I knew could sew. And that took, I was actually at Denver startup week and found this lady in conifer that sewed my first prototype. And only then did someone take it seriously that I was like dead serious that this was happening. Cause I, (laughs) there was like a lot of conversations, but conversations are conversations until you have something in your hands. So I always recommend that to people like, like you dehydrating it in your dad's kitchen, right? Like actual product in your hands is so much more profound for people to see and understand that you were like, you're dead serious. You're for real about this. So uh, that was a good step. It, you know, still really low cost. I think it was like $200 to get this bag filled. And then I started understanding, okay, if I really want this to be with the designer that I love, which was right here in Denver, a company called Hexhead that worked with multiple different backpack lines, Patagonia, um, Swiss Army. I mean, just incredible resume. I knew that was the one I wanted. I knew how expensive they were. And so in my head, I, I just, I launched an MFIT challenge and then I used that to fund the first initial, which was about $15,000. And so up to that point, I had gotten you know, three very, very basic raw prototypes, which took, you know, I say like it happened overnight. It took probably seven months to get these prototypes. And then the reservoirs that took the longest because we had to custom make them. So we had to find something that was comparable, but 
able to be modified and then use that and get shipments back and forth and some would leak and then we'd have to find it all again. So after about $15,000, I was like, I, I feel like I, I'm stupid to put any more into this without knowing if this is even something my people want, because I didn't know. I, you know, I had kind of like been in my own head of like, I have to do this. And that I hadn't shared it with anybody. So I decided Kickstarter was like the perfect way to one, test the market and see would people even like this? And two, it would help me recoup the money I had given. So, or that I had spent already. So it, I wouldn't lose money if I did it right. <laughs> and then <laughs> when we launched and we got funded in four hours, it was like, oh my God. Like, I, I mean, I genuinely was shocked. I, I knew it was an amazing idea as far as what I wanted in my head, but since it was so fresh and new and still the prototypes in my hand and I knew how much work we had to do, it was like, oh, this is real. Like, I can't wait. <laughs> it was like a mix of like, holy shit, I can't wait to figure this out. But also like, oh my God, I cannot disappoint anybody. And so, so much pressure. Um, but what was funny, and this is where the problems happen with Kickstarter is I had never launched one before and I didn't, I tried to ask a couple people for help, but there's so many people out there that just want your money. They just want to take your money and, you know, they'll, they'll make a snazzy sales pitch. And sometimes that those marketing things work, but since Kickstarter today is so much different than it was three years ago, it's, you have to be careful and really wary of the things that you're doing. You have to plan it really appropriately. And you also have to know, like, it's better to have like references and friends that you trust and love and respect and mentors than it is to have somebody on the internet try to tell you what to do. And um, when I was building it and trying to like do the pricing, we didn't even have a final product. So our manufacturer wouldn't even give us an average pricing of the prototypes we had. Oh, <laughs> I know. So I was like, okay, well, let's just brainstorm. What do we think it is? And we picked a number and then we built our pricing off of this guessing number, which was again, a third of what it actually was. And that's when it was like, oh my God, like it, it's amazing that all these people are helping and supporting and it really, I wouldn't have done it without the Kickstarter campaign, but we definitely lost a little money on that Kickstarter campaign because of the way that I structured it. So, you know, being a little smarter on the second Kickstarter, knowing I was like, I don't care. I don't care at all. I want to know exactly how much this costs. I'm not doing this again. Um, because it just, as you need capital once you launch to not just get it on Shopify, but the biggest piece and same for you is you have to have inventory. And this is something I still struggle with. All my listeners know this, like right now we, we just now got a new stock of impacts. We just now got new teas that we've been sold out of for two months. Uh, you know, there's the supply chain and being in stock and sold out. I mean, that ebb and flow because you need enough capital to get a minimum order in that's not going to make you go bankrupt or dry, but also <laughs> it would have it in stock so that you can sell it. So you have cash flow. So this is the cycle that we all catch ourselves in, in the first couple of years. And so it was good because I knew exactly how many Kickstarter pledges I had. I knew exactly the order of black, purple, and orange impacts to make, but then it also kind of kicked our ass in, on the back end. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, I Kickstarter is I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like if anybody cold calls you to want to help you with your Kickstarter, just ignore them. Like yeah. find somebody who's actually done one and done it successfully cuz 
yeah, it can be pretty scary. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you have to go fulfill on that product in a timely manner. And Mm -hmm. that costs more money and all the marketing that goes into it. But I, I understand it's so hard to come up with money as well to buy something that's not useful to anybody else. Like a bank doesn't want to give you a bunch of money to go buy packaging or zippers. Like what are they going to do with them (laughs) if you don't succeed? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like what's interesting too, um, when you're talking about whether it's a Kickstarter or whatever it might be, it's just like you, there's, there's so much pressure to deliver, like you said. And what I will say though, is I have done a few, after I launched on Kickstarter, I started like being really aware of people on Kickstarter. Like how, who are they doing? What are they doing? I'm going to support this person. I'm going to support this person. And there's times where I'm like, you know what, Emily, you're actually doing a really good job. Cause some of these, I haven't even gotten some of these pledges from like three years ago. So all things considered, like to get these out the door and given to your clients and to your customers, I think is, it's like, it's no, it's people make it look easy. I think. And yeah, we raise money on Kickstarter and all was well. It's like, it takes a ton of work. It takes so much work to get it on time and communicate with your people because they support you, but they also don't want to wait that long, which I totally respect. I don't want to wait for anything. That's why I love Amazon. So (laughs) and Amazon's ruining all of us with waiting for anything, right? You have to like, forget about it in order to be okay with ordering things with such a delay. So I totally get it. When you said you wouldn't do it the way you did it, is there like a main reason why, or maybe a couple reasons why you wouldn't do it that way? Uh, I think that, I think similar to you, I had a point in time and I still kind of have it of just like, I don't care what it costs. I want it done this way. And I want it to end up like this, you know, like mm-hmm. our packaging is very, uh, intricate and it's beautiful and it's soft and it's matte and like, it's perfect. It's also wildly expensive. So like there's cost savings to be had, but I'm just too stubborn and I want things how I want them. Uh, I think the biggest thing is, I don't know. I feel like I didn't start paying attention to the numbers early enough. So like, honestly, Emily, when I started my company, I didn't know what a margin was. Like Mm -hmm. someone asked me like, Oh, well, what's your margins? And I'm like, I, (laughs) I'm trying to make money. Like I thought I was just doing this for shits and giggles. Like, and so I think that that, that was a piece of it that I really wish I had understood way earlier in starting the business is not only getting a handle on how does my business make money and how much does it make and when, but also like my personal finances, like I wish I had come into it with a little bit of money versus my whole journey for the last five years has been like, okay, like I need $5,000 to buy the next round of packaging and then $5,000 will come in, but it's like, it's no more and it's no less. It's just sort of like hand to mouth and gosh, it would have been really nice to maybe even set aside like a little tiny baby est nest egg for myself personally Mm. versus kind of lobbing every single dollar I've ever had into the business and then putting so much pressure on it to succeed. Does that make sense? Oh, so much because what happens is without, I mean, this is the inevitable paradox of an entrepreneur is when you have so much time and energy and money invested and, you know, moments that we both still have, regardless of 
what we're selling, regardless of gross sales, right? We, there's still so much money getting put back into the businesses and they always will be at least for a long time that what happens is that pressure that we put on ourselves, it becomes now my worth and my value is entwined and intertwined and directly related to this business because it, it feels like me, this is my business. My business is me. I am my business. My business is me. And so the thing I've really worked on and actually wrote about quite a bit was that I am not my business, but my business is an extension of me. And it doesn't really help when, you know, when money gets tight, that's always a terrifying feeling. I think anyone can relate to that where you're your home, your root chakra, like your safety, feeling like you're financially secure, that stuff rocks you when you feel like you're just barely getting by and you're not sure how you're going to fund the next PO. I mean, it to say it doesn't affect your life is ludicrous. It affects your relationship. It affects your ability to be less stressed. Like all of it is so real. It's so tied into it. And so then you, then on top of that are like, well, our, our month of sales were down. And then of course you're like, yeah, okay. Then I did, I'm flawed because our month of sales were down and you go right into all the things that you did wrong and you could do better. And we just beat ourselves up and we do that enough in so many other avenues that it just is a really heavy way of doing it when it's like your baby. I mean, it's like, it's so, I relate to that very, very strongly. Yeah. And that's where I have so much respect for, for you. And I don't, I still can't wrap my head around how you're doing it for multiple businesses because I have to be like singularly focused on like one thing at a time. And I, again, I just have so much respect for how you do the juggle between all the businesses. I'm assuming that they all like the money flows through all of them. And I'm like, yeah. I can't, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say what you said about how you wish you paid attention to margins soon enough. I feel like what I wanted to say to that is sometimes that's like, it's kind of this like blind lust. Like it's almost the only way that you're going to actually start because when you start adding our logical brain into it to in too many ways and in too many places, you stop yourself. You, you might not have launched Heather's Choice had you known some of the stuff. And I think that's some of the time when people are like, I could do it. It's like you think about it too much and then it stops you and you stop yourself and then other people stop you and then time passes and you wish you would have done it. And now it feels like you didn't. So I will, I, I commend you on just doing it because even if you don't know all the details, I think that if you knew all the details, you probably wouldn't even have done it <laughs> because it's oh, too. You're spot on. <laughs> if I had known all of the BS involved with getting into retail or manufacturing food, no, there's no exactly. way I would start. <laughs> exactly. And that's when with people, I see this all the time. Like when people hear, I'm like, guys, don't think that I have this figured out. I can talk about it because I've done it, but I am literally one step at a time. Like, this is what I need to fix. Perfect. Like both of us, we're just problem solvers. Like that's what we do. It's like solving problems, one little baby step at a time. And then all of a sudden you feel it, you're like, Oh, that was a pretty big problem. I just solved. So it, I think it always, there's people that feel like they are different than us, right? They don't have a business or a product and they could never do that. They don't, but Yes, you can. And I, I'm going to say this on every podcast. All of us are creators. We're, we're meant to create. Maybe that doesn't mean owning your own business and generating your own income, 
that doesn't mean that you have to do that, but in some way you should be creating. I, and I wonder, I don't know about with the five, so the five companies, it really got real with platform because platform was such a big investment for me. It was the biggest chunk of money I'd ever put into one entity. And so that's when I really had to be like, why am I doing, why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I can go to Mexico how many times? <laughs> I know. Like, but, but I knew, you know, you just think about it and you're like, I, I don't want to just be an online business. I just don't, I'm not going to be in retail anytime soon for MPACs and for T's. I don't want to just be an online trainer. I want, when people come to Denver, I hated being like, yeah, maybe I'll host a workout in the park and you guys can come hang out. Like it it just didn't make any sense. I was like, I need a home base. And I also, with all these balls juggling, I was so in the air, like quite literally, like I had no grounding point. I had no anchor. And so my, I was moody and up and down and I was completely dictated off of how the businesses were doing and how I was doing in my businesses, because there was nothing that like my feet had no solid ground to stand on because it was like, it, you know, it's just different when you don't have an in-person setting. And I'm so glad that I started with the online first so that I could have this experience of what it's like to have a brick and mortar or, or any sort of facility hands-on something physical, like to be able to feel the difference of that versus online has been really eye-opening of like, wow, that did, this does. So in ways that you might not even realize with your facility, like just the energy you're putting into these products, the, you know, the care and the time, and it just makes sense why it's more successful because it's in your hands, not just because of quality control, but because it's like you. (laughs) So I think that's, what's so cool about like something in person. I, you know, and I don't know, for me, it was problem solving and and then it just turned into five businesses. And I I can't even really tell you how that happened. And sometimes I'm like, I'm an idiot. And I would look at them being like, why did I put myself into this hole? I could have just chilled. I could have done two. (laughs) I could have done two and not have had these like, oh shit, I'm not going to be able to make this PO paid off. Like these moments that happen, you know, they ebb and flow, but then you're like, but these, every time I talk about them and every time I see them, they they were meant to come out. And I think that it had to come out. This is very hippie, but it had to come out before I turned 30. They all five of them, because there was something about when I turned 30 right after, like I went from Saturn to Venus in my astrology and I got really chill. I got a little, I was able to meditate for the first time. I was like, mm. wow. Like I wasn't so in my do, do, do brain. Um, so I think I would, if I wouldn't have just pressure cooked and done them all at once and kind of right after one year after another after another I don't think they would have existed so that's why I'm such a big believer like if you feel called to something you cannot just think that it's going to stay there and magically work out one day there has to be some like something comes to you you have to step up to it and say like yeah let's do this and I I, I just believe that because when you you know it's terrifying but it's like you doing it. Like, you know, that deep layer that you said your being knows it's going to exist. Doesn't mean you don't have doubt and you don't fear that it's like, you know, a lot of, oh shit moments coming, but like you still are doing it. Like you, you felt a call to do it and then you didn't question it. You just did it. And I think that's so brave. And I think everyone 
that's thinking about doing something like that, they should do it. Yeah. I think one of the most helpful pieces of that for me was reading the art of not giving a fuck (laughs) because he talks about picking your problems. Mm. And I have friends who have full-time jobs and kids and mortgages and car payments and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, like if those were the problems I wanted, I could go that direction, but I am actively choosing to have the problem of, okay, how do I pay for the next round of packaging? How do I expand to more doors? How big do I want this to be? And if I can get it to how big I want this to be, how am I going to manifest a $5 million production facility? Because that's really the next step. (laughs) Yes. I think it's helpful just to sign up for those problems, which you may not know what all they are. Like you may not realize, oh, as soon as I open my gym, like the speakers are going to blow out. I'm going to have to replace them. Like this sucks. But you have energetically agreed to, yeah, I'm willing to take this on. I'm willing to have these problems. Let's do this. There's this quote that I think you're going to really love. I have it um, hung up on my little sanctuary area. It says, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And that to me was this like, there's so much that's not in our control when it comes to the five million dollar facility, like my vision, like I, I want, like a, I, I want an empire. Like I'm working to get this empire happening, and so the it feels so far. And when we feel this frustration, I finally this year was like, all right, I know I'm doing everything in my physical realm that I possibly can. Right, I'm trying to hire the right people, and I am. I mean, the, my people are amazing, and I know yours are too. Like without your people, it there would be no us. <laughs> So, right. <laughs> right. They're like such an integral part of like our day to day and everything. And so the people and then, okay, I know I'm doing as much as I can with the money that I have. And I know I'm making smart choices and I know that I'm producing high quality products and taking care of my customers. Like I know I'm doing everything in my power. And so finally seeing that I just, it was like this light bulb that went off. Like there's a point where the only way to succeed if you're doing the right stuff and have those boxes checked there's not a lot of, a lot more boxes in this physical do world that we can keep checking like we have to say like what can i do internally that might make some doors open and i noticed a big one for me was kind of this relationship with money that i had that wasn't in a positive light like i didn't see money as good i saw it as you know for greedy people or uh that powerful men did bad things with, you know, I had this thing that maybe it was generational or maybe I just thought of it. I had to like, oh yeah, let's work on that, Emily. Maybe that'll make some things change. And it does. It's like, you have to really dive deep in. And that's what's so cool about female entrepreneurs is like, we're more willing to do that stuff, right? We're more willing to ask those questions and do the work that we need to do. That's not necessarily directly related to our business but it's having fun and playing and doing what you do going outside and your pictures are incredible and gorgeous and whitewater rafting. Like, I don't even know class, probably more than class fives. Cause that's what you do. <laughs> like it's so badass, and it doesn't relate to sales of your product, but actually it really does. Cause the more you are you and your product is an extension of you, then those two can grow together. And that's, what's been so fun to start to finally figure out and, 
obviously there's days that, and you can probably agree with this, like the full moon days where you're feeling like the shit. And then all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> F this, I hate this, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. You're like, everybody go home, get out of here. Like we're done here. Goodbye. We're closing I- shop. <laughs> well, for anybody, what would be some final kind of, maybe it's a question too, of like final words about the process of raising money or creating a product um, that you want to share or that just has like been on your heart head. Any other final words? Gosh, I, I think one of the big things that I'm coming to realize is, is money always shows up, you know, like that's definitely my, my experience of money is it's always there. But like when we have the doubt of like, is money going to be there? Are you going to show up this time? Like maybe this time you're going to let me down. Like it's almost this weird romantic relationship of like, it just, it keeps showing up and it keeps being like, look, I'm always here for you. Like how many times do I have to show you that I'm here for you before you actually believe it? And I think that that's kind of where I'm at in my relationship with money journey is still having to prove to myself that it always shows up. So I feel like what you said earlier of just really coming to grips with your own relationship with money before getting too far into a business or continually working on it because there's money available to us, like whether it's through our customers or it's through financing or it's through grants, like there is so much money, so much energy out there looking for a place to go. And we get to be the ones who channel it and say, like, we're going to put energy towards this and bring this to life. But man, like that, that relationship with money and knowing how much you can attract into your life, if you know where you're going to put it and what you're going to do with it, like that feels like a kind of a never ending journey. But I do wish that I had spent more time on that early on and really come to trust and believe there is always enough money. There always has been, there always will be. I just have to be crystal freaking clear on what I want to do with it. I love that. And everything you said is yes, a thousand percent. It is the trust that we have such a hard time with. All of us have trust issues, trust issues. (laughs) we, We just do. If we don't have it with our partner or our parents or somebody physically, we have it emotionally. That's like a, a lost virtue or whatever it is that we have. That's the journey of figuring out how can I trust myself again? And how can I trust that this universe has my fucking back? Like I, that is huge. And everything you said just resonates so much because it's like the doubt that we, that creeps in of like, Hmm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this one off. I mean, I had that moment last week. I told Bradford, I'm like, I like genuinely don't know. And I kind of laughed because I'm like, I don't know what else to do except laugh. I genuinely don't know (laughs) if I can pull this off. It's like, I'm either going to laugh or have a panic attack. And you know, when people think of entrepreneurship being like glamorous and beautiful, it's like, Eh, no, it's just, you just are on the verge of either laughing or panic attack about the whole time. And it's okay. Cause that's the emotional roller coaster you're on. But you, you know, he was like, you, you've literally always figured it out always. 
I'm like, fuck, you're so right. I totally have. I can totally figure it out again. What am, what am I going to do? Stop figuring things out? Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> like, of, of course I'm going to figure it out. I always do. Even though it feels like you're just not, and you know, you hear stories, you're like, God, do I, why do I deserve this? And that's the root of those money issues is really going deep diving into soul work of like, I do deserve this because everyone deserves this and there's abundance everywhere. And it's just how I receive it. Am I receiving it through my ideas? Am I receiving it through, you know, giving back? It's just, there's so much cool stuff that you can dive into. And I just, I'm so glad we talked about this. This just makes me so happy. I feel so more normal. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah and I that would be my one request like as a, a meathead hippie listener like I would love to hear more to you about just all that work that you have done around money because I feel mm-hmm. like that's something we don't we the collective we like we don't talk about money with our friends and it seems like something we need to talk about more in order to get more comfortable about it especially as women to say like mm-hmm. I want to make a lot of money like that's pretty uncomfortable. That feels pretty dirty. And Mm. I think that you do such a good job of being an example for other women of being like, I'm not afraid to say like, I make good money. I'm going to make more money. And this is what I'm going to do with it. And there is no shame in that. Mm. So that's my Uh, request. (laughs) Of course. I'm so glad you requested it. I definitely will. Cause I mean, we all deserve to have, like, when you think of, to say that you don't need money to, I want to travel. I want to see the world. Everyone deserves that. And I don't, I think that I would love to help share that story more. So thank you. I can't wait to do that. (laughs) I'll be listening. I'll be waiting (laughs) for it. Uh, Well, Heather Kelly of Heather's Choice, everyone go I mean, I am obsessed They're Like, I'm not kidding you. Your packaroons are amazing. Your, I mean, I've had all of them. I really, really love your grass-fed bison. Chili is amazing. If you guys are, especially if you're on camping trips, hiking trips. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've had it in my house. (laughs) (laughs) It's there for you when you need it. It's there for you when you need it. And I just love the work you're doing. Is it just heatherschoice.com and Instagram heatherschoice? Yep. That's it perfect. Please go support and just go check it out. Um, if I think we should, if you guys have questions, I would love for you guys to plug them in to the, uh, my Facebook group, the empowered Facebook group it's linked below that way. If we need to do a follow-up or if we can jump in and maybe do like a Facebook live, you and Heather, me, you and me, you and Heather, Heather <laughs> and I, um, that way we can keep answering your questions. Cause I mean, you're killing it. I know both of us have had moments where we're just not feeling like that, but you really are Heather. And I am just so honored to be able to like see the journey from, I think seven years ago, maybe. Probably. I mean, that's, what's so cool just to see how you and I both have changed and grown since we met back in Colorado and both in very like different business ways, but it's, it's very awesome to be in the company of another female entrepreneur who's just freaking given it. (laughs) Uh, Keep throwing it down, girl. People are picking it up and it's just, I love it. I can't wait to see where we're at in a year. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Heather. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Thank you.